clergy is not endorsing any candidate for mayor. Please know that. What, what we have done, what we have done was to create a profile uh, utilizing areas in which the community had input with uh, in order to develop categories that we are saying, you, some of you participated as stakeholders, uh, that we're saying, we don't, we don't want you no longer to vote, or none of us to vote on personality, on who we know, because all of us know almost everyone that's up here. We're saying, don't vote on personality, but let us vote on qualifications. So, so this, this is what this forum is about. We're not endorsing. Clergy is not endorsing. But we want this to be an informative, informative uh, forum that we all can come away with uh, in order to support the best candidate to run this city. So we thank you all. Now, Oh, okay. Also, too, I think, I don't know what that, what happened to that? Oh. Um, also, please, we are saying to all of you, too, we know some of us, some of us are very excited. Uh, you, you, some of your teams, the candidate teams are here. We're asking that you reframe yourself from making, from screaming out, because you will be asked to leave. Yeah. You will. This is the house. We have a baptismal pool here uh, for some of you, but we are asking that you be respectful to the house of God, respectful to the shepherd of the house, and then also be respectful to our community. So with no further ado, I'd like to bring up Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, who will give us a story. Thank you very much. Let me welcome you to Grace, and let me say how honored we are to host this first forum, a forum called Body Like Black Clergy, and uh, the profile having input from other groups in the community. The goal of the United Black Clergy was to make sure that this election has the full attention of our community, that this election be considered by all people who vote and live in this community, that it not be a secret, quiet election, that everybody, to get everybody's mind. And we chose not to, camp, not to choose candidates because we did not want to become partial or partisan. It's hard to hear our voices if you think we already got somebody in line that we want to make the man. So it was important that we remain as neutral as we can to the objective is to get the community to listen and evaluate the people who are running. And we trust the Mount Vernon community that if they have the information, they have the knowledge, the community will make the right decision of who the mayor ought to be. And 
They don't have to be told. They just have to be uh, given information and evaluation. Um, tonight's forum is designed to try to achieve that. There are, we have a two hour forum. The first um, segment will be 10 minutes by each candidate to present him or herself to you. Say anything they want to say about themselves, why they're running, their experience, anything they want. They only have 10 minutes. We have a timekeeper here, and hit that bell. That bell means that you are 30 seconds from being pulled off like the Apollo Theater. <laughs> you, uh, so uh, we want this to be fair, and, and, and we want it to be orderly. The second thing is that once they get that, then we have some free questions that have been presented uh, that came out of the forum, and we're going to give those. And that's about the second part. And then the third part is there are questions that you have turned in. And there's a committee here that's not going to screen the questions, but are going to uh, make sure that the questions are not redundant. We don't want the same question being asked all the time. So once the question is asked, it won't be considered again. And the final segment is that each candidate will have an opportunity to ask two other candidates a question. So that they can talk to each other directly. Two other candidates a question. Okay? Is that a good form? So, we are in the house of God. And let us begin with a word of prayer. Eternal God, our mother and our father, we thank you for all the ways in which you have been faithful to this community over these many years. We acknowledge the transitions of populations that have come to Mount Vernon, and yet we celebrate the potential and the promise of this great city. We thank you for the history of personalities who have brought a claim to this community, who have invested in this community, and we thank you for those who are continuing to we seek your guidance as a community tonight as we come to a decision and move towards a decision about who shall be the chief executive of this city of promise and possibility. We ask God that you would bless all of the candidates, give them all guidance, bless them with the right things to say, and give us a sense of clarity about what we are hearing. In your name we pray. Amen. So having laid out that, I want to call now, uh, somebody's going to give me the alphabetical order because that's the way we're going to do this. Who's first in the alphabetical? Clyde you here first. That's the last thing. Come on, I want you to stand up before it come out front. And you take the mic. Is that mic on? Last name. Last name. Not, not, not first name. His last name is Isaac. Right. Who did you She's Patterson. Uh, she got two options. <laughs> she chose the Patterson option. Come on up this way. You want to stay there? All right. Reverend Osavio and Dr. House, each of pastors in this community, they will be receiving your questions. They will ask the questions. But right now, it's going to be a 10-minute presentation by each camera. 
Good evening, Mount Vernon family. How's everybody? Are we ready for this debate? Are you ready to make a selection? So am I, that's why I'm here. My name is Clyde Eisner, and I am the Democratic City Committee endorsed candidate for the office of mayor. First, I would like to thank the United Black Clergy for hosting this forum. I'm glad we as a family have come together to talk about our current state of affairs. We have witnessed garbage collection be suspended due to a lack of fuel to run our sanitation fleet. Later, to be proven, possibly staged, could be a lie. Watch snow removal be undertaken by backhoe excavation equipment because we had an issue with rubber gloves in our fuel tanks. Our chief legal advisor, Corporation Counsel, indicted for misappropriation of $365,000 of the Depart Department of Water Supply funds, funds that was directed to our mayor's legal defense. The illegal transfer of $91,000 to a leasing company which did not, or does not, still does not, have a contract with our city placing our DPW workers and the cities at risk. Three years of unordered financials, which caused us to lose our bond rating, which prevents us, mind you, prevents us from undertaking capital projects and addressing our crumbling infrastructure. Continued infighting between our mayor City Council President, and our controller, which stymies effective governance of this city we love so well. Memorial Field, due to illegal handshake deals, mismanagement, still remains a pile of rubble and a symbol of poor leadership. And lastly, but most important, our mayor, Mr. Thomas, has been indicted for felony campaign fraud and is scheduled to go on trial in a matter of weeks. Enough of this. Enough, enough is enough. We cannot allow these embarrassing situations to continue. Our reputation as a city has been tarnished and we're seen as an embarrassment by other Westchester County communities. Our ability to attract future investment is at grave, grave risk. <coughs> I am increasingly becoming alarmed as to where this city is going. The appointment of a state monitor. Do we all remember Flint, Michigan? They ended up with contaminated water. Detroit, Michigan took years to recover from supervision under a state monitor and just now beginning to um, revive itself. We cannot sit idly by and allow this to happen to the city of Montgomery. We're better than that. Since the first day of my campaign, and I'm going to say that again, since the first day of my campaign, I stress that this election, this very important election, should be based on experience in public administration, budget and finance oversight, law enforcement abilities, and fighting corruption. 
budgets three times the size of Mount Vernon, as, much, as well as much larger workforce. I've served as the Chief Financial and Administrative Officer of the City of New York Community College, as well as the Westchester County Department of Correction. My experience and accomplishments make this, this proud Democrat the best qualified candidate for the office of mayor. Thank you. Good evening, Mount Vernon. Thank you to the United Black Clergy for hosting this event. Uh, thank you for the city of Mount Vernon and our incredible residents for being concerned enough about the state of our community for coming out tonight to participate. An educated and informed electorate is what we need here in Mount Vernon, and so I thank you for coming. My name is Sean Patterson Howard. I am a lifelong resident of Mount Vernon, a fourth generation, born, raised, and educated here in the public school district. I left Mount Vernon uh, after high school and went to Howard University where I received my bachelor's degree in social work. And that helped me to move forward in the first 15 years of my career to address incredible social issues that we are challenged with here in Mount Vernon. Mental health, substance abuse, developing housing issues, working on HIV AIDS. I've worked locally, countywide, statewide, and nationally around criminal justice, gang violence, criminal investigations. I've worked in public health, which is something that our community is challenged with. So social issues, working with youth and seniors, and working for the largest youth-serving organization in the country, the YMCA, is something that prepares me to deal with our social challenges. But my last 15 years serving as an executive director and a president and CEO of a national organization has prepared me as an executive and an administrative leader. I've gone into organizations similar to Mount Vernon that were on the bank, brink of bankruptcy, that were being investigated by federal agencies, state, county, and local agencies because of fraud, waste, and abuse. I've had to turn those organizations around with the help of my board and my staff. And that's important. That's important that you have someone that understands how to deal with crisis, because Mount Vernon right now is in crisis. This is my community, and I love my community. I've moved back here from Washington, D.C., and, and encouraged and convinced my husband not to return to Georgia so that we could move to Mount Vernon with our daughter, raise our family in a community that is so promising and has such great potential but for far too many years has been mismanaged and we've lost opportunities. While we've watched many of the communities around us prosper because of sound, planned out, thoughtful, intentional, and strategic economic development, Mount Vernon has continuously missed the train. We can no longer continue to afford to miss the train. And why have we missed the train over and over and over again? Because of egos political agendas, mismanagement, dysfunction. This is not something that just started. This is nothing that just started. We've struggled with this here in Mount Vernon for a while. This is not the first administration that struggled. I've had opportunity to work in multiple administrations, and I've gotten an opportunity to see different leadership styles but one of the things that I was saddened by is the political patronage, which causes people to continuously hire people because they worked on your campaign. That doesn't mean that they're qualified 
city government as the youngest director at that time. And not only did I run a program, but I oversaw what was kind of the de facto Office of Constituent Services. And I had a small budget, but I had to carry people who were political friends of people. And it crippled our ability to be effective and impactful. And this is something that we cannot continue. We have a workforce here in Mount Vernon that has been demoralized. They've been demoralized because they've been forced for many years to work in a toxic environment. Do we have some people who are unqualified? Yes. But we also have other people working in City Hall who are very qualified, who are very committed, and who are very passionate, and have stood the test of time and fought to stay and work in Mount Vernon because they love the community. It's easy to run out of the building because things are hard, but it's hard to stay and continue to work, and that many of them have done. So what does Mount Vernon need? We need good leadership. We need leadership who has integrity, who has experience, who has a good reputation, who is respected locally on a countywide level, statewide, nationally. As, as the president and CEO right now, I'm funded by over six federal agencies, 10 state agencies, multiple county agencies. I don't receive taxpayer money insofar as a guaranteed budget because I'm collecting revenue from homeowners. I have to earn every dollar that we get each year. We start with a zero-based budget, and why is that important? Because we have to deliver on our promises in order to stay competitive for grants and to convince people to use their disposable income to come and pay for the services that we provide. And what does that mean? We have to provide a high level of services that are quality, that are consistent, and that are meeting the needs of the people that we serve. Mount Vernon is in crisis. As Mr. Isley already stated, yes, our urban renewal agency, there have not been audits done. It caused us to lose our bond rating. But what we've dealt with, it says, without a vision, the people perish. Mount Vernon has not had a vision, a comprehensive plan, since 1968. That's the year that I was born. 1968 is the last time we completed and ratified a comprehensive plan. So when you don't have a plan for your home, when you don't have a plan for your business, you fail. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that is what we've seen. New Rochelle has a comprehensive plan. And so what have they done? They've won a $12 million grant from the Regional Economic Development Council. We haven't had a capital project review board meeting since 2009 in Mount Vernon. We have capital needs. We have sewers, roads, lights that have not been serviced, that are crumbling and falling apart. and DPW fleet that have not been serviced and that are falling apart. I mean, if we haven't really purchased any DPW trucks in the past 10 years, I don't know how often you replace your car, but you, we, we may, must make sure the things that we use every day are usable. So I have an air, land, and sea approach to my vision for Mount Vernon. We have to get Memorial Field done. How much time do I have? I'm not sure. Three more minutes? We have to get Memorial Field done. We have to restore integrity. We have to hire
but who are also executives who know how to hire, appoint, manage, monitor, develop, select, engage, and inspire. You can't expect what you don't inspect. And if you don't have, you don't have people who are leaders and who know how to handle budgets, each of our city departments is like an individual standing organization. So it's great if you've been a building inspector or you've read plans, but that doesn't make you a building commissioner. What is your executive level leadership? This is not about friendships. We have to revise our charter. We have to make sure that we're making important decisions. We have to make sure that Mount Vernon is home for life. So we have to provide services for our youth. We've disinvested in Mount Vernon's youth. We've let the YMCA, the YWHA, the Boys and Girls Club on the North Side close, yet we blame our children because they're in the streets with nothing to do. We have not partnered properly with our educational system. We've had mayors that wanted to take it over. Yes, 65% of our taxes go to the school district, but we need to partner. That's one minute, 30 seconds. We have to do economic development. We have to do responsible development in Mount Vernon, not selling out to investors and businesses with cheap pilots. We have to make sure that everyone pays their fair share. I pay my taxes, you pay their taxes, they all have to pay their taxes. And we have to invest in the people of Mount Vernon because the people of Mount Vernon are all we have. No one is coming to rescue us. No one is coming to solve our problems. We have to do it together. We can't have these things happen on our watch. 
Everyone's out to get rich, and it's been a rich hunt from day one, and we know that. With respect to what we've been able to do, soaring has been a lot of the things that have come forward. Soaring with success despite the disruption and the interference. One being today, talk about trash pickup. These small things become big things, and if we don't manage the small things, become big problems. But no matter what, we work through it, we seek to cooperate and collaborate with our colleagues, but when we don't get that cooperation, we seek to work with you to try and pressure one another to work together to get it. But Mount Vernon is rising. Under my leadership, over $1.2 billion has been invested in the city since 2016. And while the say that we're not doing anything or we're not doing enough, Many of them just want the jobs and the contracts to hide their own corruption. We're bringing order to chaos. Chaos that was politically created. We're soaring with progress in spite of them, and that is why it is a rich hunt. We have embraced the people, fed the people, housed the people. There have been no giveaways with these pilots. Fair shares are not only being paid, but more taxes are being collected. Except until recently, we wanted to talk about that in a different topic. But we've provided assistance with mortgage refinancing, increased affordable housing, we've helped seniors, helped homeless, provided scholarships, over 200 youth jobs. We've educated and uplifted the people, literally brought light to where there is none, street lights. Saving the city over a million dollars a year. We support small businesses. We have an academy, over 23 women that are finishing their entrepreneurial academy, gonna graduate next week, spend 60 hours in small business training, gonna start their own business. And look around us, 15 new restaurants have opened in the city. Now, here's a wow. Property values increased by 24% year on year. Crime has plummeted over 42%. These things happen in spite of the obstruction, in spite of the obstacles. And we literally bridge the gap. Those MTA bridges closed for at least a decade. The MTA went from $10 million when I walked into the office to over $80 million replacing six bridges in the city. And one will be done in just a few short weeks. Mount Vernon has become a mecca for development and we are attracting a global interest. We were on the World Economic Forum at the summit talking about major businesses coming to the city of Mount Vernon over high-priced, congested Manhattan. We are bringing jobs and industry to the city, including entertainment. And recently, Harvard did a study on our city affirming that quality of life is not only getting stronger, but our rents are higher than Yonkers and Rochelle. But that means there's more pressure on ordinary people and why it's more important to focus on expanding the commercial tax base. And that's been our focus since we entered office. We've crafted a plan to attract entertainment and jobs back to the city. We've crafted plans to bring back Fourth Avenue. We've crafted plans to build up our infrastructure to make sure that our sewers get fixed and we have clean water. We have programs, including the Mayor's Healthy Home Initiative, first-time home buyers, credit and debt management, 
police academy graduates. Over 300 people graduated from the police academy, the Citizens Police Academy, building trust on both sides of the badge during a time where tempers and tensions were at a high. We were literally dancing and singing in the streets with our community. These are things that are bringing people together. We had parks without parks, and Brush Park was one of them, not no more. Hutch Field was one of them, not no more. We brought the circus to town to bring new development, new activity to our city. And we look forward to expanding our transportation economy when we have a ferry come from the Hutch River, go to City Island in 15 minutes, or to LaGuardia in 30 minutes. The parking revenue from the parking garages that we will need to build will generate jobs and revenue to reduce those property tax pressures. But we do know that we need parking throughout the city. There's no place to park. So having a clear vision to build up convenient places to park that are affordable and accessible is very important to the growth of our city. That's one of the key reasons Fourth Avenue was backslid for so long. But our beloved city is resilient. We can and we will continue to rise. And we have been and we will be judged on how we treat the least of us. There's no room for gluttony, envy, jealousy. There's only room for truth, honesty, and respect. Love for our city and the people in it. And you show that through your actions. Your love for the city by supporting them with equipment, tools, and funding so the workers can deliver the essential services that the people expect. You show Mount Vernon your love by not allowing people to paralyze the city. Grandstanding ain't grand. Actions speak, whether it's providing trucks to pick up the trash, police communications to fight crime, ambulance services for those that are sick, paved streets and smooth sidewalks to walk on, toilet paper for seniors. Whatever the case, you never allow anyone to do anything to harm our citizens, and that's why we fight. And that's why it's been an uncivil war for Mount Vernon's future. And that future is bright. And we've been through a lot, but we have so much more to go. And you have to understand that cooperation has always been the approach over confrontation. I've convened the clergy, I've convened business leaders, I've converted stakeholders, universities, looking to bring everyone together to work. But when we have such animosity that's been built into Mount Vernon for so long, it's gonna take some time to make sure that we come around that mountain. And we are coming around the mountain. The progress is irrefutable. But my last word is, we have some great things that will happen here in the city. Memorial Field will be one of them, but the most important thing is us here tonight making sure that we decide to move forward. Thank you so much. Good evening, everyone. I'm going to stand up here because I don't have notes to read. I know what I'm talking about. So I want to be up here also amongst the people that I'm with in the community all the time, that I see. Not just regular people that pop up when it's time for the mayoral election. But what I'd like to say is, for those who don't know me, my name is Andre Wallace. I'm now the council president of the city of Mount Vernon, the second seat behind this gentleman which is the mayor of Mount Vernon. I'd like to thank the clergy and everybody uh, for putting this together. I'd also like to thank the other candidates for being here, because it's important that we share our vision and that everybody out here that attended today get an opportunity to hear
hear what's going on and the plans that people have for their city. I'm not here to talk about uh, what I'm going to do like others. I'm here to talk about what I've done. I'm not here to bash people, okay, because I'm not worried about how we got here. That's not the focus. I'm worried about and more concerned about how we get out of it. So I'm looking for solutions, you know, and not bickering back and forth. We have enough of that on a day-to-day in City Hall and throughout our city. The problem that we need to work on is more healing in our community. Because over the years, I remember coming here 32 years ago. I used to come to Mount Vernon when I was a kid. And uh, I always told my mother I wanted to live there because it was a beautiful city. I grew, I grew up in the Bronx, Belmont Avenue, Little Italy. Uh, from that time, you know, my father, very hardworking man, rest his soul, also my mother, a very hardworking woman. He was born in Cuba, raised in Jamaica, where he met my mother, uh, who was also born in Jamaica, Kingston. They came over here, had six wonderful boys that are doing very well. But we were raised with certain values. Those values was about putting service before self. My father was a biomedic engineer. My mother was a nurse in North Central Bronx. She was the head nurse, ran that hospital. Uh, it was something that was very important to me that I always remember because they were both 1199 members, a union that has endorsed me as well. When I remember back in the day when I was younger and there was a strike, and I would always remember that because I always told my mother, why is, she, why is he out there marching and why not, why not working? We're losing money as a family. My father stood out there too, all the time. And what I remember them saying was, it's not always about you. It's always about what you can do for others. And when we stand together is how we move forward. Right now, Mount Vernon is fractured in so many different parts. You know, and we need to pull that back together. What pulls that back together is real leadership. See, my trade is construction. I've been in construction for quite some time. When I see that, uh, you know, one of the candidates said that there's no solutions for our kids because there's no, they're on the street now. I took action. I didn't worry about what, what, what they were uh, doing in the government or not doing. I ended up purchasing a building I created the first construction trade school in Westchester County. It is a credited school that I own and operate that gives out college credits as well. I was able to take a lot of the youth off the street, okay, and give those youth the opportunity that a lot of people were leaving behind. Whether you came out of prison or whether you were just hanging on the corner, to me, our youth are important, and we gotta love them for who they are, as well as who they're not. And we have to work on making sure that we advance our youth. So what I did, I created that school, which already has trained over 1,000 people, which has placed over 1,000 people in jobs. I have partnered with the union. I am one of the people who put Youth Bill together in this city. I forward uh, that. Um, I've also worked with uh, NCCER, which is a training curriculum that I put together with others to make sure that even our adults get trained. So I do training all over the place because 
what we have to learn to do is empower our community. Because a ship only rises in the time when we all rise. When we lift each other up, it is the greatest thing that we can do because I'm saying right now, your success is my success and my success is your success. A lot of folks say, we don't leave no child left behind. We don't leave no senior left behind either. We don't leave no mid-age people or anybody behind. Mount Vernon is a place for us all. And we have to work to change it together. There's none of us up here that'll be elected that really believes, I, I, and I'm hoping that the others believe the same, that we can do it by ourselves. It's not gonna happen. It's gonna take all of us. And what we have to understand is that we need to first change the context, okay, of the city. Because it is the context that incumbents the content. So whatever the content is, and whatever the context is of the city, it has not been working. And I always tell everybody, to take a look at it, it's very simple. If you have a clock, that clock goes around. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. If it's working in that order, and life is about action that creates reaction, that's us, hasn't been working. What we can do is take that clock and put it in reverse. You will get a different action to that. So what we need to do is focus on that and change how we do things because we haven't been doing things and it hasn't been working. And clearly, if it was, I wouldn't be standing here and leading with that. Because this is not working for all of us. We need a Mount Vernon that's inclusive and not exclusive. And we need to make sure that those are the things we focus on. We need to make sure that we build up our business because right now it's hard on the taxpayers. It's hard on me as well and everybody else. I'm a taxpayer and a homeowner as well. But when 88% of our tax revenue is based on the homeowner, then there's something wrong. And we can't keep dipping back into the coffers of the people because we are gonna tax them out. Seniors right now are on fixed incomes. They don't get a chance to get an increase. They can't call Social Security and say, hey, my taxes went up out like another 2% increase. It doesn't work like that. So we have to be able to come up with creative solutions and programs that work to bring an increased revenue in our city. And that's not what we've been focused on. Under a Wallace administration, we will definitely focus on that and it will work because I have a plan to make sure that it does. When it comes down to legislation, Many people can check the record. As a councilman, I've sponsored more legislation than pretty much any other councilman. It's a fact. It's about getting things done, doing things, not just talking about it. And everybody who wants to go back and check my record, I've done plenty of legislation that has definitely increased members here and everybody involved in their lives. If, for all of you that don't realize, we just finished sponsoring some legislation and the council passed it that took some time. And simple things like changing the parking time from eight o'clock to nine o'clock when you have to move your car. Because I realized that most people are coming out in the morning at seven o'clock, jockeying for a space to go back in their house at eight and leaving at 8.30 or nine. So why not change it?
It is simple. This is not rocket science to do this. It's all about what do you want to do, and if you focus on serving the people before yourself, you'll see the light and you'll see the vision of what needs to be done for those who we have been elected to serve. So we have to always remember that I get it. You're our boss, you're our employer. Most other people need to act like that, realize what's going on, and focus on making sure that your lives is better. Thank you. Let's give them all a hand. Come on. And now we're going to turn it over to our moderators. They will be asking questions. Bishop uh, Osario and Dr. Howard. Thank you. This is for all the candidates. Please keep in mind you have two minutes. What would you do to bring dignity, respect, and honor to the city if you are elected mayor? I think that based on my tenure as the former police commissioner of the city of Mount Vernon, and my cooperating with the FBI in ridding corruption from that department that I led at that particular time, has demonstrated to the community at large I'm a person of integrity, uh, a person uh, of great leadership, and given the opportunity to serve again as your mayor, that would be the approach that I would take. Thank you. What would you do to bring dignity, respect, and honor to the city if you're elected mayor? For me, each person serving as mayor is the highest form of servant leadership that we can have here in Mount Vernon. And as the leader of the city, we have to understand that we're emissaries of this city. We are part of a brand in the city. And everything that we do and say and how we conduct ourselves represents this city. And unfortunately, we've become a community of leaders that is focused too much on Facebook Live and political theater. We have to stop the political theater. You have to be a leader that creates solutions and not chaos. You have to be a leader that focuses on bringing people together and healing people and not dividing people. We have to stop fighting, not only on Facebook, but News 12 and Verizon Fios 1. We have to restore a respectable reputation. People are not laughing at Mount Vernon, they're crying for us because they know that we are a better city and that we deserve better and we can be better. People around the city and the country and the state are rooting for us. And so you have to have a leader that uses not only their credentials and their character and their influence to bring resources, but we have to use that same commitment to bridge the gaps. We cannot do the work by ourselves. The controller, the council, the mayor's office, the commissioners, and everyone charged with serving Mount Vernon has to work together. But most importantly, we have to understand that we are answerable to the people of Mount Vernon, and we have to include them at the table, use their voices, and make sure that we're not just looking at the taxpayers and the voters when it's budget time, but that they're stakeholders in Mount Vernon's everyday decision making.
In looking at the profile that the community stakeholders have agreed to, how would you rate yourself in each of these seven categories? They are honesty, integrity, leadership, reputation, education, managerial skills, and vision. Integrity. I give myself an A on integrity. 
When it comes to integrity, it's about saying and doing what you say you want to do and what you mean. Integrity for some of the others is not so. Sitting here, because I see a lot of folks giving themselves high marks already, but they've sat in, a, they've sat in an administration that had sat by and watched things go on. If you had integrity, you would stand up and take action. Leadership. Leadership, I've always been in a leadership role for the last 27 years of my life. I own my own business, I run my own company, and I run a lot of different companies for other people as well. I run training programs. Leaders lead, and just to make sure, uh, leaders don't leave garbage laying around. Leaders take action. Um, and responsibility. Reputation, my reputation speaks for itself, and many people that know me know that. And for those who don't know me, know that I have no problems with that. Education, I give myself a B on that. And managerial skills, I've done great as a managerial, done great with my managerial skills, and I give myself an A on that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, family, we have said it once. Please, I know all of you understand it. This is not a heckling session. Not a heckling session. We understand if you don't agree, then you don't agree, but you can do that in silence. You can do that in silence. The applause are fine, but let's not boo the people, boo the candidates. It's hard enough to run for office and be in front of So do me a favor, and I'm a Mount Vernon boy too. Please, let's all just be respectful, okay? With respect to honesty, it's all on Facebook. Transparency is the number one antidote to make sure you see it all, all the time. The government in this city operated in the shadows for far too long, so guess what? Open the doors, let everybody see what's going on all the time. And you get to see how people act and behave in real time. And, you know, look, I love my brother George Brown, but that fall down was something else, won't it? Now, with respect to vision, we have to make things happen. We have to see where things need to go. And one of the things that I have done is listened, I've learned, and I was never afraid to lead. But what I will say is, when you think about the fireworks, you think about the slide the city, you think about the food distribution. If you want to get, I see some motion down here in the front. We can just, if you could just stick to the, let me. Stick to the, all right, look. Let me, read, let me read the question over again, Mr. With respect to integrity, look, I've been lied on. I have people after me because I'm doing the right thing. And as you can see, as Martin Luther King said, the measure of a man is not where you stand in places of convenience. It's where you stand in moments of adversity. And I'm going to keep standing up for Mount Vernon. With respect to leadership, going to keep on keeping on and 
trying to move the city in the right direction. There's no trial. We've done it. But with respect to education, I've been told I have a PhD, poor, hungry, and driven, while I've earned a bachelor's, and I've earned a master's in business from the Stern School of Business. All of these tools are being put to work to overcome obstruction and move our city forward. That is something that's going to attract people here to Mount Vernon. 
as we develop Mount Vernon even more. The question was the best assets of the city. I'm gonna repeat, I'll repeat the question. Repeat the question. What do you see as Mount Vernon's positive qualities and her challenges, and how would you overcome the challenges? I just want to make sure I understood the question right, because the, the, the best thing about Mount Vernon, the best quality is the people. The people of our city are the greatest people. And the people that live here, the people that have come from here, are inspirational. From Reverend Dixon, who worked with Dr. Martin Luther King and accompanied him to Oslo, Norway. These stories of history of Nina Simone, Dick Clark, Lillian Vernon. And when you think about that strong history of sports, business, entertainment, you think about how come Mount Vernon is not that economic juggernaut that it should be when it comes to sports entertainment. While we may have the location, that's one of our challenges. We have some people in government that are blocking Mount Vernon from redeeming its promise. And we need the people to make sure they hold all of us accountable, to make sure we overcome the challenges that we face to accomplish the real vision of building up Fourth Avenue with the plans that we develop for art and culture, the plans we develop to make sure we develop responsibly creating housing for those that are in the arts and culture. So the greatest thing about our city is the people, and as long as we continue to stay together like this, pray together like this, Mount Vernon's gonna be all right. Repeat the question. What do you see as Mount Vernon's positive qualities and her challenges, and how would you overcome the challenges? Location, location, location. You can go to downtown New York City in 20 minutes. You got highways on both sides. You got all kind of public transportation that runs through us and around us. Location, location, location. What do I perceive as the greatest problem facing our city at large? Mismanagement over the long term. And because of mismanagement, investors from outside the city are reluctant to come and invest in us. What's our greatest challenge? To face our issues, like I said earlier on. Look them squarely in the face. Elect experienced leaders. Have that leader appoint qualified professionals to run our departments. Look at our finances. See whether or not the $115 million that we're spending is adequate. Take care of the three years of unfinancials that we are suffering with now. Restore our bond rating. Those are the, some, of the, some of the first things that we have to address to make this city valuable again. Thank you. The greatest asset that Mount Vernon has always had is our people, our diversity, our rich culture, our traditions, and our heritage. Yes, location, location, location. And unfortunately, we haven't always used our location to our advantage. And why is that? Because over the years, Mount Vernon has lost a lot of our self-esteem. And so we've allowed people to come in here and take advantage of our community for cheap. Because our leadership stopped believing in us. And they always felt that they needed to sell out our greatest assets around our train stations for cheap. Because of our location, we need to make sure whatever development that we're doing, whether it's housing or economic development around our train stations, 
our market rate and brings disposable income into our community so that we can build the tax base that is only 20% retail and commercial. So we have to make sure that we're taking advantage of our location. We have to make sure that we are dealing with our bond rating and our finances, that we're creating systems that are clear and accessible, that we have a government that is responsible and responsive, that when you call City Hall, you actually get an answer. And when you get an answer, you get a correct answer. And so part of what I'm going to do is really open up an office of constituent services, not by adding more money to the budget, but by reorganizing and re-envisioning government and making sure that we're working with our neighborhoods, our schools, our businesses to make a difference and make a change. We have to create systems that work for everyone and not just for the politically connected. The question is, sound leadership requires census building and collaboration. Where in your professional career have you exhibited your ability to form consensus and engage in collaboration to make decisions? So, once upon a time, there were a bunch of meetings early on in 2016, 2017, 2018, and so recently. These meetings involve leaders of the community, they involve nonprofits, they involve universities. No matter what has been done to bring all the best and brightest minds to the table to develop plans and studies, there's been, it's been met with resistance. This is what happened, but I'm not gonna give up on that. I'm gonna continue to make myself available to listen and learn, and the mark of a leader is to make sure you reassess and reevaluate your approach. Because sometimes it's the wrong person delivering the message. So I understand that we have to find different ways to get things done, and this is why we have to make sure that as we look at consensus building, it's all about the people that you involve. And no matter who has been involved, we've been through cycle after cycle, conversation after conversation, frustration after frustration, but for some reason, the will to solve some of the solvable problems that we have, like the phones breaking down, or the trucks without gas, no matter how many times people showed up at council meetings, no matter how many times people showed up at various community gatherings, the consensus has been something that's been elusive. Why is hard to tell, but I can tell you that there's definitely a vortex of deception that's been going on inside City Hall, and I'm asking each and every one of you to continue to stay at the table to make sure that we work together to get the job done, starting with fuel for our, for our trucks to pick up the trash. Thank you. Sound leadership requires census building and collaboration. Where in your professional career have you exhibited your ability to form consensus and engage in collaboration to make decisions? Well, as police commissioner of the city of Mount Vernon Police Department, as dean of administration and finance at Hostos Community College, and as Deputy Commissioner of Administration and Finance at the Westchester County Department of Corrections. Over the last 25 years, my executive level skills have afforded me the, the ability 
to create consensus among my subordinates by offering organizational goals and objectives. You explain to them what it is that the organization they're employed by intends to achieve at the end of the day. You make sure that they have the professional skills to get that job done. You speak with them periodically to make sure that they're on focus with what the organization intends to do. And when you take those steps, you form a sense of collaboration and support among your support and staff. And I've been doing that for 30 years. Thank you. So as a proven leader and administrator, a president and CEO, one of the things that I know and what I have to always do as a responsible leader is make sure that as the leader who is sitting at the head of the table, that I also share power. Power is something that not everyone knows how to use. The greatest responsibility when you have power is to use restraint and collaboration. So it's not about a dictatorship. Yes, you can build consensus amongst your subordinates, they work with you, and you want them to respect you. But you have to know how to work with others who are your peers, not only in government, but in the community. And so over my career, I've been able to consistently bring people together from different sectors to focus on a common unity. And when you look at those two words, common unity, it really spells community. And so when you bring people to a table and you don't set the table just to benefit yourself, but you set the table so that everyone at the table can be served and eat and participate equally, when you help people understand what's in it for them and you focus on your commonalities as opposed to your differences, then you build consensus. And so we brought people with competing ideas and competing agendas and helped them to focus on the common issue. It's not about whether or not we like each other. We don't have to go to lunch. But what do we need to do to move the community and business forward? And I've done that consistently across sectors, locally and nationally. Can you uh, repeat the question? Sound leadership requires consensus building and collaboration. Where in your professional career have you exhibited your ability to form consensus and engage in collaboration to make decisions? Okay, here in the city of Mount Vernon, when I saw many of our youth displaced and out on the streets, I was able to build consensus by putting together uh, with others a construction training program. Okay, when I've done that, I was able to reach out to organizations like West Ham, West Help, and many others to be able, in Job Corps and others, to bring able, be able to bring all these people together so that we can have a food pantry, so we can have uh, services for seniors, so we can take care of our veterans, which we have veterans programs. And I noticed, you can ask even the commissioner of uh, the mayor's administration, when they can't handle the services, they send them over to me. So I've been doing these things in the community long before I ever became a council person. So this is something I've been building across the board in Mount Vernon to make sure that people that come out of prison have a second chance. So I've been able to work with the prison system, with the judges, with the courts, everyone else. So that's building consensus. That's building, taking leadership to a level where we're doing a massive collaboration with other organizations to make sure that the community fills the gaps where it is needed and missing. And that's what I've been doing. 
We're now going to our round two of questioning. And this is individualized. So each candidate will individually be asked the question. Again, please stick to the question. This first question that is going to be asked will be directed to Mayor Thomas. Given the recent indictment of the city's chief attorney, an indictment in what state prosecutors allege was $365,000 scheme to use city water department money to fund your alleged allegedly criminal defense bills and hire a public relations firm. What is your response to the people of Mount Vernon regarding these charges? How will your personal legal challenges impact your ability to govern Mount Vernon? Like I said, it's a ritual. And when you look carefully at what happened in the first place and how we got here, they didn't even let me go into the room to even speak to the first grand jury. I was indicted before I even walked in there. The second one, when I did go, you saw what happened. I believe God's in charge. That's what I believe. And I believe just like whatever's coming my way, Coming up in July, I believe the people will see the truth and they will know who set me up. The bottom line is, I will never stop fighting for the people of Mount Vernon. Because I recall, I recall our corporation council and myself exposing some real political corruption involving millions of dollars of your tax dollars being sold out and given away for 40 year terms with no payback. And I remember, and I remember them denying even having that discussion. But what I do know is this, that this fight for Mount Vernon's future is real. It's right now and it's right here. And I'm gonna keep on standing up for the people and focusing on moving the city forward. We've done that. Crime is down, property values are up. And quality of life is getting stronger. Just the latter part of that question. Do you believe your legal challenge will impact you in this current race? What I can tell you is the people are smarter than you think. And I think that the people of Mount Vernon have seen the results. They've seen all of the salacious lies. And right now we're dealing with another set of lies around the fuel for trash pickup. I never expected the intent to be so toxic, but I know that I'm not gonna stop standing up for the people to make sure that the people rise and not those that were politically connected. According to the website courts.state.ny.us, there are several active lawsuits filed against you by four of your business partners, C. Gora, E. Whitaker, W. Wagstaff, and J. Buss. The question is, 
What in your estimation do these proceedings suggest about your character? And secondly, how will these proceedings impact your ability to govern and Good question. First of all, it won't uh, impact any uh, of my ability to govern. Uh, that case that I have has nothing to do with me being a council person. It was put together before with some business partners that people would see if they read the case, read the case, that it's, it's a form of extortion. I had paid uh, a couple, which is a partnership. One partner didn't pay the other. So they said, being that they, uh, I'm running for office and I'm official, that they're gonna sue me too unless I pay them another $100,000. I took it to court. The documents are there, it's very clear. William Wagstaff is my attorney. Jeffrey Buss is his attorney. I can't figure out how his attorney got on a case to sue me again. Like I won before, I will win again, okay? And integrity that we spoke about, integrity is being able to see things and say stuff. So if you want to say I turned you in, I have no problem with that. Because I did hold a press conference in December because I told everybody our money was being stolen out of the water department and that the mayor increased our water rates to cover it up. And then I requested outside intervention. Okay, and that is what led to your indictment. I mean, your legal indictment. I would, and just to finish up, I would rather have the people here be upset with me about that than to be upset with me about seeing something and not saying it when your money's missing.
to pay our mayor's legal bills. We talked about a $95,000 payment offered to a leasing company that has no contract with the city of Mount Vernon. We talked about three years of unfinancials that haven't been submitted. Therefore, we lost our bond rating. Those are the things that concern me as a resident of the city of Mount Vernon. And when I looked at the skills that I have, and I looked at the skills required by the office of the mayor, they match uniquely. And thank you, thank you. And it would have been unfair to myself, unfair to you, if a person with my experience didn't raise their hand and volunteer to become the next mayor of the city of Mount Vernon. Thank you. This question is directed to Mrs. Sean Patterson Howard. They ask here, we are known by the company we keep has stood the test of time. There are two persons of questionable character with whom you are associated, Joe Spezio and Leslie Zellmore. Will you please clarify for us your relationship to both of these individuals? And secondly, where in your professional experience have you exhibited the prerequisite management and leadership skills to be our next mayor. That's why I said secondly. The, the okay. first question is, will you please clarify for us your relationship to both of these individuals? So Joe Spezio is a person who sat on the board of directors of the YMCA when I was hired. He is not someone who voted for me to be hired because he didn't like my uh, gang and drug and social work experience, so he didn't select me to be hired. He was an absentee board member who lived in Florida and Louisiana, and in no way did he dictate any of the work that I did from a day-to-day -day basis. When I came to Mount Vernon, Joe Spezio did not bring me here. I knew Richard Thomas since he was 14. I knew him since he was high school, and I was a leader of one of the clubs that he participated in. I actually came back to work to Mount Vernon, not because of Mr. Thomas or Joe Spezio, but because of then Police Commissioner Robert Kelly, who said he needed a leader and a partner with integrity to come in and deal with some of the challenges that we were dealing with. So I left a very secure job to come here. And I got to see firsthand a lot of the deception and the corruption that was happening. And it's not that I didn't address it. It was that I did address it. I spoke to the controller. I spoke to the city council. I didn't publicize it and put it on Facebook because that would have just brought more shame to our community. And instead, what I did, instead of participating with Joe Spezio, I dealt with five years of financial reports and national reports that had not been completed for the past five years, 2011, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Secondly, what I did is I closed 78 of 83 violated projects. So Joe Spezio had no effect and impact on my life. Actually, Joe Spezio looks for what he calls shiny new niggers. Please excuse my language. And I'm never going to be anybody's shiny new nigger. Okay? So be clear about that. Leslie Zamora is someone who sat on the planning board. That's when I met him. Again, he didn't like me either until I had to come and prove my worth as a leader. Mr. Zamora has now decided to support me, not financially backing me, but because he understands that I'm focused on Mount Vernon. I don't have a kingmaker. I have, the only kingmaker I have is Jesus. I'm sorry, but I have no other kingmaker. And so that's what I've refused. And I'm a consensus builder, so I'll work with people who want to work. 
but I will not allow them to infect and affect my integrity and my character.
What assets do they offer our community at large? If they're not appealing to the wider range of, of residents, then that master plan completion will give us some indication of the businesses we have to go out and tight to move into the city of Mount Vernon. That's the way you go about it. You look at the situation, you create a, a plan to overcome whatever it is you're attempting to achieve, and you move in that direction. Thank you. It's still a 30, in the one minute, it's still a 30 second countdown for the first minute. Oh, okay, let me finish then. So now that we have this master plan, we identify those businesses that need to come to the city of Mount Vernon. Those pilots we always talk about, we take those pilots and we entice those folks to come in with the provision in hand that to receive those, you're gonna have to create jobs in the city of Mount Vernon. And I would also include a clawback provision that has a time frame to it, so that those promises are not kept in a specific period, we withdraw that pilot and move on to someone else. Thank you. Just for the So for the economic development of Mount Vernon, the master plan that we're talking about for 4th Avenue, I secured that grant as Commissioner of Planning. The Arts and Culture, I secured that grant as well as a grant for Memorial Field and for our sewers to be done as the Planning Commissioner. You could look at the Mayor's press release. And so I've been very successful in bringing in partnerships and collaborations to come and work in Mount Vernon. Yes, we need a workforce investment board to ensure that we are developing our citizens who are prepared to take advantage of the types of businesses that we bring in Mount Vernon. We need to work with the State Department of Labor and the Westchester One Stop, as well as the business community. We have to have pre-employment training programs and apprenticeship programs. Another thing that we have to do is, yes, we need a comprehensive plan, but we have to make sure that we're not just continuing to bring in uh, businesses that only deal with, uh, well, I don't want to name the businesses, but we want to make sure that we're bringing in a diversity of businesses. I want to be able to shop in Mount Vernon. I don't want to have to go to White Plains and New Rochelle and the Bronx to shop. I need something more than, you know, bargain stores on 4th Avenue. I need, I need quality businesses to invest in. We'll bring in retail, we'll bring in retail and restaurants that we can go and dine in. We have disposable income and our money is not recycled in Mount Vernon because we don't have quality businesses. The first bit indicates that you have 30 seconds left. Right? First bit. Ring once. Ring once for 30 seconds. To all the candidates, how do you plan to address all the zombie properties in Mount Vernon? Before you, before you answer, just technically because a candidate Wallace got slighted at 30 seconds, so we'll give you that 30 seconds because you got slighted there. Thomas. So, zombie properties have been a long 
drag on our community. They're like vampires that suck the life out of neighborhoods. They bring rats and mosquitoes, they invite vermin, and you have illicit activity that happen at them. So we've taken a real coordinated approach to attacking these things that are hurting home values. We've earned a grant over a million dollars from the state of New York, and we've also earned uh, the privilege of having the second phase of the same grant for cities rise. And we just recently traveled to the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, where we are now competing with nine other cities for a million dollars in funding to attack these zombie properties to transform them into different types of places. Some can be tourist um, homes. For example, Evie White was here. Um, we have different types of homes where they could become think tank estates, but some of them can become community gardens. And it's all about the creativity and the collaboration with the community and the work is happening right now. So for the next two years, we'll be working with a variety of institutions, Harvard, Columbia, NYU, you and the community to reprogram these zombie homes into productive members of our community. Not all zombie homes need to be knocked down. 
what I ever had, if you were to came, if others would have came to the real estate committee on Friday, you would see what my proposal was. And that has been something to turn a lot of these zombie homes over to uh, the people. Auction them off or raffle them off in a, in a lottery for firefighters, police officers, teachers that, that can't afford to get a home in this community. Let's start to get the funding, put those things together, and, and have those people who are working in our community, affording them an opportunity to live in our community, okay? Those are the people that we should be giving these homes to, putting them straight back on the tax roll. Because when a house is sitting there for the longest, we gotta remember, we still have to pay the state tax, we still have to pay the school tax, so the taxpayers are actually paying for this house, sitting on the corner, abandoned. We want to thank uh, our question. You know, if you could go on, we got plenty of questions, and there'll be other debates where you can ask the question. We want to, I don't want to. I want to honor our time restraints that I gave you. Uh, I do want to take a point of privilege because I think it's important to all the candidates and things that they just said about real estate. We have to watch out for gentrification in our country. We've got to. Make sure we are not the new, the next Harlem. We got to make sure that this community is not grabbed from us. And when I say us, is a majority African American community. We must fight to keep it that way. Our institutions, and this is personal for me. Our institutions die when gentrification takes them over. There are only two strong churches left in Harlem, and they're going to pieces because the people have left. So all of this optimism about how great this real estate is, we also have to be clear that we don't allow people to come and take, and that's going on right now. So I would beg of our, 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 our candidates to please keep the gentrification issue as an important issue because we're not just wanting to participate in the election and, all, and all one day this community turns into something that, is, that don't recognize. Here now are the questions for the candidates to ask each other. Arsonist that sets fires 
$120,000, other people who have taken $365,000 to pay for your public relations and your legal defense fund, what would you do with that? You said, you said that I was your mentor and your role model. Well, honestly, honey, you grew up and you changed stripes because you've become a wayward son and I can't manage you and that is why I left City Hall. Because I was not going to participate in your corruption and the games that you play to continuously deceive Mount Vernon. I 
but still and all, you didn't pick up the people's garbage. The problem is, we need to stop playing games with the taxpayers, the people, and putting all of our city employees in the middle of nonsense. When people are playing these games, I don't have time for it. It's about doing the people's business. I told everybody when I got elected the first time, I didn't come here to get a job, I came here to do a job. And that's what I've been doing since I've been here. So I am very outspoken, and if people want me to keep quiet, Kaiser, I could do that too, but I won't. Ms. Patterson, you had someone, you, one of your colleagues who'd like to ask a question. Mayor Thomas, <laughs> can you please explain to the citizens of Mount Vernon the practice under Maureen Walker and still under Comptroller Reynolds of them sending checks up for your signature for bills that you say urgently have to be paid, and you hold on to them for months so that you can claim that it is a crisis, like a fuel crisis, or a salt crisis, or a truck crisis, or a copier crisis. Can you explain to the people why I used to have to come and go through the checks that sat in your office to get you to send them and sign them and have them go to the vendors so that the city of Mount Vernon bills could be paid instead of the city of Mount Vernon being shut down over and over under your leadership? So, the process is very simple. The checks come in, we lock them, and we sign them as soon as we get them. And recently, under this controller, she's put in place some very hard to understand policies where you have to make an appointment. When you go to the appointment time, the appointment is canceled, and then you have to wait a week or two weeks, and by the time you get there, four weeks have passed. That has happened. Commissioners have stood in her office for five hours at a time, but no matter what, the checks get signed and the attempt to return them, even today. Checks came up on Friday at 3.35 p.m. They went back down today, this morning, at 11 a.m., and they were rejected. The office soon after that closed. The process is transparent. If you want to see when the checks come in and when they go out, the, the, the log is available for review. It's not months, it's not years, it's days. And we understand how important it is to get the checks signed, and that's why we're going to continue to fight to make sure that we restore access to the city's books, which I've been denied ever since I became mayor. All right, um, Brother Wallace, Mr. President, will you ask a question to one of your colleagues? Yes, I'm going to uh, ask this question to Clyde Isley. Mr. Isley, recently I've seen your flyers and all your literature that says you're a financial whiz. But recently I also saw that you filed bankruptcy in a way over, and, and tried to expunge all that you can with over half a million dollars. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, if you, and also, how can we expect you to do our budget and our books if you can't handle your own business? I think I answered that question early on. I said those individuals had to go back 29 years to find my bankruptcy when I was a private citizen in private business. On the advice of my counsel and my accountant, that was the smart thing for me to do. I also
last 28 years, I did a fine job at managing my business. And while I have everybody's attention, I want to make one more confession, since this man has a great investigative staff. When I was nine years old, when I lived in my Hear me through, hear me through. When I was nine years old, living home, we were playing stickball on the street. I hit a blind drive right into Miss Thompson's window, broke it, and I ran away.
Mr. Wallace, would you like to have a question for one of the candidates? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, he has enough of his own to deal with. Miss Patterson, when you were working for the mayor, I came to you on several occasions. I came to you and I uh, asked you, why don't you help me when he was laying off the people of the URA? You said it was the powers to be. I asked you when he was firing Kendra Doman in the uh, from the building department that that's wrong and we need to do something about it. You said that's not you as the powers to be. You did nothing, you stood up for nothing every time I came to you and then only when you were drug out like a dog by this man here with the police, okay, did you decide to start to speak. And I saw you at another event when you showed me text messages that's probably still on your phone about what Spezio and the mayor was going to do to me. Why did you wait two years to show me that? And why did you do something about it when you sat in the room with Joe Spezio, Mayor Thomas, and the rest of them and talked about it then? So Kendra Dolan was not someone who was in my department, and I fought her firing. And when you came to me to talk about things, it was political, and I saw you as Richard Thomas 2.0, and so instead I chose to work with then-Council President Marcus Griffith, as well as Lisa Copeland, to express some of my concerns. Please understand that I didn't sit in the room with Mayor Thomas and Joseph Spezio, nor do I have text messages of them threatening you. I have text messages of Joe Spezio threatening me and sending me bullseyes, and so, it was not that I saw things and didn't say things. I said things to the people who I thought were responsible enough to make a difference, and I did not see you as that. I saw you as a political grandstander, and so I chose not to deal with you. I dealt with the city council president at that time, who was Marcus Griffith, because I felt that he had the character and um, the credibility to make a difference if I saw concerns. I did not see all of the transferring of money I was not there for that, and I did not get drug out by a dog like a dog. I was walked out, I was invited to come back to the city to work, and I chose not to do so. Thank you very much. Uh, Ms. Patterson, do you have your final question? Councilman Wallace. You spoke about being a consensus builder and a leader. What happened to building consensus and working with the city controller, the mayor's office, and the city council to make a difference? And why have you chosen to continuously govern through lawsuits and campaigning as opposed to practicing sound governance practices? That's a very good question. Through laws, first of all, I do have a relationship with the controller, as you see today, we were able to take care of business. I continue to speak to both parties, and I've, as council president, which I just became in January, I've been trying to get the two of them to sit down together so we can get through things. I was able to push a budget through to prevent the city from going bankrupt, because they couldn't do that particular thing as well. And through my lawsuits, okay, this is why Memorial Field is on the way. Because when people go into Memorial Field at one o'clock, 
in the morning and chop down bubbles. I have to do something about it when nobody else will. Okay, when people are setting up to go in and knock down a retaining wall in a tennis center, I have to go in there and do something about it. When people are stealing from the water department and other departments, I have to file a lawsuit and do something about it. So I can continue to go on and on and on, okay? But someone has to do something. See, when everyone else sits down, Wallace stands, okay? So I am standing for you too because you are a taxpayer as well. And this is our money. I didn't go there to just stay silent. And I don't stay silent. Because like I said, I would prefer for everyone to be upset with me now with these lawsuits than to know later on that their money's missing and I knew about it and did nothing like you did. Thank you. Can you smile me? Your final question. Mr. Mayor, I gave the assurance. Mr. Mayor, I gave the answer. Simple question. 
can you assure us, the community at large, no more of our water department money will be used for any illegal purpose? That is not only the truth, it was not used for an illegal purpose, and it will never be used for an illegal purpose, and that's the bottom line. Thank you. Let's give them all a hand. I want to give all of you a hand because you've been a real wonderful, attentive community. What we have to do now is to stay alert. I think there are questions, as I observed, there are questions that were not adequately answered. Uh, there are questions that were avoided and dodged. And so you'll have other opportunities at other forums to follow up on those questions. There are some questions we got some clarity, but we're still a little unclear on some of us. And so I think what the community wants is clarity. And not double talk, not sidestep, but clarity. And when they get that, the community will make the decision about who is going to be the next mayor of the city of Mount Vernon. I want to thank you for coming on behalf let me thank all these clergymen. All you clergymen, please stand. Those of you that have clergy, thank you. Thank you for providing a sense of moral leadership in the time of crisis in our city. God bless you all, and have a good night.